Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. Welcome to Tuesday, Rochester Today. Tom Ostrom's here. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Andrew. Good to see you again. You're probably, yeah, you uh, too. You're probably lucky to have me here because... After the Vikings game, I thought for sure I was going to have cardiac arrest. Wow, and you should have with the finish. <laughs> I just don't understand how that happened. They, again, the Vikings hung in there and were miraculous in the last quarter. And how the other team was so good and turned so bad. And as you said, the Vikes were the opposite, bad and then good. That was a, And they say what? That was a record. Of, yeah, of there's the, never been a comeback like that in the NFL history. 33 to nothing to a victory. That is, um, (laughs) who knows? I mean, I, I am the person who's ever the cynic about the Vikings because I've been disappointed by this team so many times. And, uh, I've, but I've never seen a team that has been this resilient that they obviously don't give up. Right. They're, they have the energy at the last when maybe other teams don't, but Wow. That's amazing, yeah. So and I'm in the, the who, I'm in the who knows what's going to happen crowd now. So yeah, but anything. Getting can. some hope. I'm getting some hope as a Vikings fan, Tom, and that's a very dangerous thing to do. Well, it looks like they're going <laughs> to. Anyway, that's good. So what's in the mailbag today? Uh, Gary Varville, another. Uh, political cartoonist satirist (laughs) it shows a a big bed and it says the twitter files the secrets that uh, elon musk is releasing about the deep state uh, machinations and it shows the twitter files and it shows a huge bed and the fbi is in it and the democrat donkey is there and joe biden is there his son hunter is there and the media is there all in the same bed, and the media guy with a microphone saying, this is not what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I did see a, a cartoon for Twitter that I thought was pretty funny as well, and I couldn't tell you who the cartoonist was, but um, all in reference to the many people who would be of the more liberal slant in their philosophies who vowed to quit Twitter and sell their Teslas and whatever else it may be, if Elon got on board and took over the platform, and now that he has taken over the platform, it was uh, the voice of the person saying, I'm going to quit this platform, but first I have to quote about me quitting, and then I have to stay on to listen to the comments about me quitting. <laughs> That's, there's some truth to that going on. <laughs> and then Branko, uh, uh, he shows AOC, and she evidently produced a movie on global warming, and it flopped. It have absolutely so few people went to the theaters that it was a flop. And so it shows her AOC movie. She's advertising it. And then she said, see my new movie on global warming. And then it shows her falling face down in the snows that we've had recently <laughs> says or i mean i don't mean global warming i mean climate change yes <laughs> excuse me climate change <laughs> and then branco again it shows the democrat 
donkey and it shows the rhino Republican and it shows Joe Biden with blinders on. They all have blinders on like a horse has. And then uh, Joe's blinders are the Obama symbol. Uh, and, and, and it says, uh, votes, why, why no action on the border disaster? And the blinders on the Democrat donkey said, votes of immigrants. And the rhino says, cheap labor for the corporations. And then uh, Biden is saying nothing. It shows an empty cloud above his head. And then one more mailbag from Wayne. On December 16, 2022, Oberlin College finally paid the bakery owners $27 million in a libel suit, plus $11 million in legal fees. And as you said, Tom, this all started years and years ago in 2017. Oberlin College dragged out this in the courts for six years, thinking they could wipe out this small bakery with legal fees. And that bakery uh, by where Oberlin College is, they had an incident with uh, two black students who were shoplifting or bakery lifting and they called the police and reported it to Oberlin College. Well, Oberlin College couldn't be more woke and they said, uh, you are racist and uh, you're practicing racial profiling. Well, the guys that did it were, were guilty, but they're practicing racial profiling. And usually, uh, a business would capitulate if it involved blacks or accusations of racism. But the the owners of this bakery said, you are nuts, we are correct, we are not racist. And they sued and sued and sued. And they finally came through and got the millions of dollars from the college. So uh, um, uh, Wayne was uh, reminiscing and uh, about, about all that. But uh, uh, that is just uh, quite a quite a victory. What's the, was that Colorado, Tom? Uh, Oberlin College, I, I thought that, I'm not sure where that is, that Ohio. You know why? I mean, I, I, I'm a, unaware of the story. I had not heard about this. Yeah. Well, it went on for six years. And, I guess uh, so. The bakery finally won. They didn't capitulate to charges of racism. Uh, they said, we're suing you for libel because it happened, what we said happened. And then they won. They ended up winning. They won. Huh. I... I, I I, yeah, that one slipped past my radar. That's weird. I thought I would have heard you, that one. You, Andrew, can't know everything. You well, only... I try. Yeah. Dang it all, I try. <laughs> You're busy. <laughs> there is. It reminded me the Supreme Court is considering a case, and I believe this is Colorado, going back to the um, the you know the the bakers the cake business with same sex marriages. Oh yeah, but this time it's a web designer. And her argument is this is a First Amendment issue because each time she creates a website, it to her it is artwork. And I, I can't argue with that because I know people who do web design and it is, to me, it is artwork. It's, mm-hmm. It is creative beyond belief. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why some of them get paid so well. And that by requiring her to create in essence, a piece of art that goes against her conscience and principles that violates her First Amendment rights of free expression. And the Supreme Court apparently is considering this. It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Mm -hmm. Well, people are fighting back against wokeism. I think they've been galvanized by the Republican takeover of the House. 
and the committees that will be investigating the wokeism excesses, including FBI and censorship and everything else. Now, as you pointed out, when the committees go after it, the uh, Democrat Senate won't help them at all with it. But but maybe in 2024, the Republicans will take the Senate and, and the White House and things will go. But, but the publicity in the fight uh, is going on on many levels. And uh, I think people are just tired of wokeism. The polls seem to reflect that, too. Yeah. Uh, is that it for the mailbag? Or is Cato's better word for it is woke. woke yeah, <laughs> remember that. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll take our break. Back in a moment with more Rochester Today. Tom Ostrom's here. It's News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Need that special tool to complete your day with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning, everyone. Rochester Today continues. Um, One thing to keep an eye out statewide, um, I wasn't aware of this, but Wallace Olson does this weekly state news roundup analysis type deal that goes out to people who sign up for it. And I don't know if you remember a few years back the controversy over the Minnesota Senate office building when they redid that and they built the new one and the cost overruns that were involved in it and ended up being this extraordinarily expensive office building. Well, now apparently the Minnesota House office building needs a revamp. Mm. And with the amount of cash that's available uh, to lawmakers this year and the trifecta of Democrats controlling the House, Senate, and the governor's seat, there's a move afoot to dive into this project and there are grumblings that it could end up being in the hundreds of millions of dollars for, mm. once again, another uh, very fancy office building. So we'll see. That's that's the first I had heard that that was potentially on the agenda next year when the legislature convenes. We'll see if it generates any controversy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, um, uh, Minnesota news from uh, mostly from the KROC news website. Uh, and this article you uh, wrote, Andrew, two members, new members are appointed to the Destination Medical Center Economic Development Agency Board. One of them is Roberta Dresser, the other one, Dennis Dahlin, and they have some very interesting, uh, Dahlin or Darlene, I'll say Dahlin, and, uh, and the people who are associated with all of this are very happy with these two people. Dresser is the CEO of the medical Alley Association and previous and had leadership roles with various health institutes and uh, the, the news release said she earned a master's degree from the University of St. Thomas and then the other person and this is your article I'm quoting Dolan is the chief financial officer of Mayo Clinic uh, he joined Mayo in 2017 uh, uh, after being a certified financial officer at a large institution and uh, so uh, and he holds a master's degree from Minnesota State University at Moorhead but uh, the DMC is active and they have some uh, new uh, uh, leaders and uh, this is the group that is charged with finding these companies that will grow the economy and create that synergy with the Mayo Clinic that by locating 
in the vicinity of the Mayo Clinic and giving them access to uh, the possible expertise of Mayo Clinic researchers and physicians for use as um, uh, for use in clinical trials with new products that are coming to the forefront as far as medicine are concerned that well, well I mean that was the crux of the whole deal was that this was going to create an explosion of economic activity in Rochester once the infrastructure was in place and not so much slowly but uh, it seems very rapidly that infrastructure is being installed whether or not the people who have lived here for a long time like it or not it, it is happening and uh, we'll, we'll see I, I, I anticipate that we're going to see a lot of companies that in the past would have been located on either one of the coasts uh, coming here to Rochester set, to sh- set up shop in uh, right by the radio station in fact in that Discovery Square complex that is grown into this huge complex just to the to the west of the radio station the other one filled up faster than i expected it to so i can't really be too much of a too much of a doubter on this it it seems Mm -hmm. to be gaining traction whether or not it fulfills the expectations of those who pushed it through is you know that's still for the future to tell but I got to believe with the amount of money that's being pumped into this thing that something's going to happen. Well, the sci-tech businesses, and you just referenced one, are certainly growing. Uh, but with my limited knowledge, I don't see business downtown growing. I, I see it depleting. Uh, maybe I'm missing something. No, I, and that's the big problem right now is you're in this in-between phase where COVID really hurt downtown Rochester Um, and the shift to remote work has really hurt downtown Rochester but Mm -hmm. we're not alone in that there I I think virtually every significant downtown economy in the entire nation is suffering from the same problems that whatever your major employer is in a downtown if it's a bank or an insurance company uh, what have you they have remoted out a lot of their employees and that's emptying a lot of diners during the lunch hour. Mm-hmm. And and there's no doubt about it at all that that's had a horrible impact on downtown Rochester on top of, you know, the disruptions caused by all the construction and rising taxes on top of that because the values of those properties downtown shot up when the DMC initiative first began because of all the speculators who started eyeing those downtown properties and bid some of them up, in my opinion, way past what they're worth. But on the other hand, if these other businesses start to locate downtown, um, granted, I, I don't know how long it would take. I mean, if if you believe the numbers of thousands of workers who are working off-site for Mayo, obviously it's going to take quite a long time Sure, for that to make up. And whether or not the businesses that are there can survive that long or, yeah. That's right. It's and, a terrible conundrum. And speaking of that, the Minneapolis mayor convened a work group after a series of downtown significant closures by established and famous businesses. Uh, Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry wants a vibrant downtown. I guess there's a work group of specialists that are going to try to innovate and get business back downtown. And there, too, workers are working from home and they don't even want to go back downtown to Minneapolis. And Fry mentions all the causes that he can think of why it's happening. 
and how the dynamics uh, and storefront space will be improved with this genius group that he has. But he lists all kinds of issues. But I can read it and read it and read it, and he doesn't mention crime. And that's oh, really? the cause of the problem, I think. <laughs> well, I was going to say that at least that's one issue downtown Rochester uh, is not facing to the level that Minneapolis and many other large cities are facing, Minneapolis specifically. Yeah, for him to ignore that is pretty pretty incredible. Or this article that writes the details didn't mention that he mentioned it, so we'll see. Uh, and then uh, some of the people that are on the KROC news site aren't necessarily with KROC, are they? They're with Town Square Media, which KROC is a part of, but right. they're not necessarily with KROC. Correct. And, and so... We have Jack, uh, Jeff McMahon uh, on December 14 on the KROC News website. New report reveals Minnesota business stressors. Uh, the business benchmark report from the Minnesota Chamber of Commerce says that uh, Minnesota businesses are stressed out because of the they have among the highest tax rates in the nation. And, uh, and then the, the, uh, the COVID business and everything else, uh, although Minnesota has a fairly low unemployment rate, but uh, Minnesota activities of indicators are beginning to sound alarm. The analyst said the workforce shortage continues to persist and uh, Minnesota does remain strong in innovation and infrastructure, but uh, but the position relative to what's happening and future planning uh, has to be addressed. Uh, and so uh, 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 the uh, Minnesota business Experts say Minnesota does have stressors and uh, uh, issues that that have to be addressed if they're going to expand or stay in business. Yeah, and I think that work, the worker shortage one, along with the higher tax load, are key to all of this. Um, when you have businesses that are offering pay to entry level positions that just five years ago would have seemed unreachable. <laughs> for for people who basically could come off the street and work these jobs are making close to $20 an hour now, and sometimes more than that, uh, that really puts a crimp on a business's ability to expand. If you're, and plus, if you're even offering that much money and still get, can't get people to apply, um, I bet, yeah, I would be looking back to the drawing boards. I, mean, <laughs> I know a lot of these a lot of these fast food joints and other places are they're really seriously looking at significant automation yeah. because they, they don't see a future without this high labor costs for these types of positions. And at that point, these automation robot systems all of a sudden look very, very attractive. Uh-huh. Sure. Okay. Well, I know that report was spent specifically for the legislature to try to say, hey... <laughs> Obviously, I don't. I don't think that any tax increase is on the horizon, as far as the state legislature is concerned, because of the budget surplus. But that could be two to four years down the road, because it depends on what the legislature does with that money. They could create the uh, um, situation that results in a deficit by creating programs using the budget surplus that will require additional funding in the next budget and the next budget and the next budget that would increase with inflation and therefore 
It mm-hmm. doesn't take a lot of imagination to figure out how that results in a deficit. <laughs> okay. We already have to take our break for news. Goodness. Hours flying by. Tom Ostrom's here. I'm Andy Brown. Out back in a moment for Rochester Today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Do you know a special... Rochester Today, Tom Ostrom and Andy Brownell. Tuesday morning, yesterday, Tom, the what are you, what are you, the January 6th committee did do it. They referred former President Donald Trump and his top associates for prosecution. Whether that results in anything at all, I couldn't tell you because it has... You know, it's more or less a symbolic gesture saying, hey, Justice Department, we think you should charge them. Uh, I don't know. I I know it's a desire among some to have a felony criminal charge against Trump to try to crimp his political ambitions. Right. But the precedent that that would set, and it's a pretty dangerous precedent, well, scary precedent in this world sure. of, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Uh, the report that they kicked out was largely a summary of everything that's already been reported. I don't think there was any bombshells contained in that report that uh, we've already pretty much heard everything that was in it in the past in different coverage. So it just enters a new phase. It does. And with uh, Jim Jordan of Ohio, the uh, very uh, articulate and aggressive Republican who's going to be heading committees to go after wokeism and to go after uh, the Democrat excesses and the impeachment uh, fiascos against Trump. And so the Democrats want him indicted, Trump, as you say, to get him out of the presidential race. And uh, Jordan wants to investigate the January 6th committee, their omissions, their biases, uh, uh, and uh, and their one-sidedness. And so we'll see what happens. Uh, Gil Gutnick sent me this. Uh, Gil is a frequent guest on uh, Rochester Today with Andy. He's a former congressman and uh, very articulate. I always thought he'd be a great speaker of the House when he was in Congress because he's so articulate and so um, uh, eloquent. And uh, you you show that with him when he's on your show. So, he is, uh, he's like you. He is a master of history. He He can quote anybody from historical context. It's amazing to me. Well, he sent me an article that he wrote for Town Hall, uh, and uh, it's uh, he's going after the Secretary of the Treasury. She's an academic. She's not really a financial uh, analyst or in the real business world. In fact, most of the advisors around uh, Biden are academics. Uh, they have theoretical but not pragmatic uh, experience. And so uh, Newt, go, uh, Newt uh, Gutnick goes after them. Uh, and why they are responsible for the inflation with their foolish policies on energy and on spending and the Ukraine and uh, and they're the cause of the, the problem. Heritage Foundation uh, with economic growth and the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office said it's as likely as not that the economy will shrink. And the, and and uh, Gill said the staggering cost of this administration's dereliction of duty on the border it can hardly be measured, and the liberal governor of California is even crying stop to the illegal immigrants. And so and then, uh, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Uh, Gutnick uh, traces other elements of, of history, and, uh, and it's kind of a bleak picture with his excellent analysis. 
That's town hall. The title of the article, Befuddled, Bewildered by Inflation and the Economy. Yeah, and uh, even though not everyone, obviously, but I think a majority of economists, including those that served during the Obama administration, were telling this current administration what you're doing is going to result in significant inflation. You better not do this. This is too much. You are supercharging this economy at a time when supplies are down due to COVID and uh, other issues. And they went ahead and did it. And uh, yeah, and we are all paying the price because essentially, if you want to think of it, inflation, if you put it in the framework of the government causing the inflation <coughs> through its policies, it's essentially a tax. Sure it is. And then what, what Biden has done to the energy sector, we were self-reliant, jobs were booming, and he ruined all of that too, made make us have to rely on our enemies overseas uh, for, for these things. And then that election in Arizona, um, election officials are concerned, but they didn't want to even uh, verify the election, but the Secretary of State that beat Carrie Lake for governorship while she ran the office that, that supervises the elections has threatened people with felonies if they didn't uh, uh, okay the election results. But uh, this from just the news, top Maricopa County election officers couldn't reconcile a 15,000 vote disparity from their records uh, uh, versus uh, uh, other other official records, and and uh, this from an uh, uh, this from a an internal email, uh, a voting official was very concerned uh, as we're trying to reconcile a discrepancy of fifteen thousand votes in the outstanding ballot. Uh, we we say there's fifteen thousand votes we can't account for, and and Arizona Secretary of State Katie uh, Katie Hobbs was the nominee for governor won that uh that she threatened people to not say anything but recorder uh stephen richer uh, sent an email to the elections director scott jarrett said about the discrepancy between the county's estimated remaining ballot totals and the number reported by the secretary of state's office and we don't agree on the count or where the ballots are and uh and so there's still trouble in, in, in Arizona. And uh, a poll worker said that uh, 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 Hobbs's uh, opponent, Lake, uh, the, the opinion polls, the exit polls, said that she was way ahead. But when things ended up, uh, she lost the election to this uh, Secretary of State. And so Carrie Lake has gotten seven uh, high-priced lawyers, and a judge agreed that the irregularities were so significant that he is letting her, in a suit, demand to see certain categories of ballots and envelopes and chain of custody uh, 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 analysis to find out where missing votes are and why she was favored in the polls, and then boom, she lost. But this judge said there is there are some problems because most courts don't want to touch it. Even Fox News won't touch it. They, everyone's afraid of being called an election denier. That's a very effective shutdown. But this judge said we got problems, and I'm giving Carrie Lake uh, and her lawyers permission to go look at the ballots they want to look at. 
All right. Well, another thing to track. Arizona being a mess. Uh, on the same topic, I saw that the uh, new Georgia, well, he's not new, but um, Warnock that was reelected in Georgia by a fairly narrow margin in that runoff election with Herschel Walker. Um, he, Despite his victory, he is complaining of voter suppression in Georgia and, and arguing that the Georgia law that when it was enacted was called by the president, uh, President Biden, as Jim Crow <laughs> 2.0, despite mm-hmm. all the evidence to the contrary, that there was a record turnout. The turnout for the uh, runoff election, I believe, was also a record. Um, that the lines were not long at the polling places in most cases. The system seemed to work well. Uh, <laughs> and yet the, this is somehow voter suppression. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, it, it's getting to the point of silliness in this country that, and I'm going to blanket point at both sides on this thing. When you lose an election, somehow, even in this case, when you win an election, you stand, still can't accept the But it is what it is. It, he's an election denier, and he won. And more people voted in Georgia, including blacks, than just about ever, right. ever before. Yeah, so, but suppression. Um, how much time we got in this segment? Oh, we got a few more minutes. Okay. This from the Daily Mail, uh, Twittergate, which means the uh, wokeism uh, and malfeasance, I think, that is being exposed by Elon Musk. So what he's releasing is called Twittergate. And the FBI refuses to reveal how many social media firms it secretly dealt with or is influencing now or it insists on information from. And and, and uh, they pushed Twitter before Elon took over to remove accounts. They told uh, people at Twitter who they wanted checked, who they wanted uh, suspended and who they wanted more information about. And um, they were, the FBI was meeting with Twitter executives and said there was no impediment for them to share classified information with the FBI or the FBI with them. But Republicans insist those things that were done were against the law. And that'll be another one of their committees to look at what the FBI did with Twitter. I mean, the argument is that by being the Justice Department and being the federal government, that by pointing out their complaints to Twitter about posts and posters and suggesting that Twitter needs to do something about it, considering the power wielded by the FBI and the Justice Department, Despite Twitter's cooperation, you could argue that's coercion because mm-hmm. Twitter would be under the position of, well, if we don't appease these officials, they could go up the ladder. And already we have members of Congress talking about enacting additional regulation that could prove very costly for these tech giants who are involved in social media enterprises. But the part I laughed about with this 
it, it got to the point, according to the reports I've read, that the FBI was flagging or wishing to flag even low-profile accounts because the the person the twi- would post a tweet that anybody else would have recognized as sarcasm, except mm-hmm. for the FBI. You know, it's a joke, for crying out loud. And it wasn't even yeah. a person who had thousands of followers and who could even be remotely described as an influencer. It would have been a frustrated citizen making a joke as a political mm-hmm. statement, and the FBI sure. was asking for this person to be suspended or flagged. Sure, and it's called satire. They couldn't recognize it or didn't want it because it's so effective, humor, and then they got Babylon B kicked off of Twitter. Babylon B is satire, and it's back on Twitter now. Well, I know this is, we're talking national, but I guess I'll throw the Canadians in on this. The Trudeau government is trying to push into law uh, the ability of the government to have an influence on what gets said on these websites or different works of media because uh, well, they're, the- arguing, they're arguing economic reasons. They want more local and more Canadian content. So they, But it, it, to me, it looks like a backdoor um, strategy for controlling the content. Right. But our government was doing it to the FBI and the CIA uh, involved in these things, but the FBI uh, telling Twitter what yeah. information they should look for and, and what to give the FBI, what the FBI was looking for. Uh, it's just uh, some people say the FBI has to be defunded and uh, uh, abolished even and, and restructured. And But anyway, the Republicans will have fun investigating, even though the Democrats in the Senate won't let anything be done. Well, uh, the, the, excuse- the publicity should be... Uh, a learning experience and part of this is the excuse offered up by the biden administration will be that well it was a COVID emergency we had to take these steps because we are in the midst of a national i'm not kidding though yes and part of it too and you know you know where i stood on the vaccines i i'm a person who's i would encourage people to vaccinate but i would also honor a person's individual choices on this matter. That is one of the rights we have in this United States is to have a difference of opinion and be able to continue to operate within our society with differences of opinion. Um, People were posting criticisms of Fauci and some of the stuff being put out by the CDC and other federal health agencies or even state agencies and these would be immediately flagged on these social media sites as, you know, misleading information, misinformation, whatever it is. Well, what? Okay, some guy sitting in front of a keyboard in an office building at Twitter is all of a sudden a medical expert? <laughs> as I understand the frustration, people should be paying, I've said this before, paying close attention to what is happening here with us because this if they're allowed to continue this sort of activity, this is a very dangerous precedent. Sure. Well, Republicans will investigate and they want to put some people in prison over it. We'll see what happens. We will need to take a break, though. So we'll be back. <laughs> Rochester Today with Tom Ostrom here on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. 
This is the Family Service Rochester with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. It is Rochester today on a Tuesday. We have a few minutes left, Tom. What's next? Well, there is a Nazi heritage to the Ukrainian army. And I mentioned it once that during World War II, Ukrainian Nazis were on the German side prosecuting Jews or killing people. And, and, and that, that I've, I've said that the evidence is pretty strong that that Nazi element in their army is still there. And I have a, a photo of the, of the Nazi element of the Ukraine army and they've got a swastika there and, and they were just acting in Hitler's uh, uh, responses uh, during World War II. It's there. And, but the United States and Germany and Italy had a vote. The UN had a resolution condemning the Nazis in the Ukrainian army and the US and the Germans and the Italians voted against that resolution. They're so concerned with helping the Ukraine win and with Zelensky that uh, that they, they don't want the Ukrainian Nazi Azov battalion, and I see a picture of it here with Nazi flags uh, prosecuted or even criticized. And and, and 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 Zelensky himself has shut down media, opposition, TV and radio, uh, criticism of the war. Uh, he shut down a court that was investigating UKR uh, corruption. Remember, Trump got uh, impeached for calling Ukraine and wanting to get to the bottom of the uh, uh, corruption there. That's why somebody said that phone call was worthy of impeaching him uh, when he was concerned with corruption. So. Uh, Ukraine has got some spotty uh, things going on, and and Putin was right, by the way. He said one of the reasons we invaded the Ukraine was to get rid of the Nazis. Remember, the Russians, the Soviets fought the yeah. Nazis in World War Two. But anyway, but, Tom, uh, I'm mean, going to argue that was just that was his justification for his people to accept a war, and he used that propaganda. He did to push was, forward it, push but, forward but, with his quote-unquote military I action. I agree, but it, it's true. There's a Nazi element. But when the U.S. and Germany and Italy don't want that pursued because of the war interests, I, I find that uh, disappointing. So this is a unit, this battalion is an existing unit today, not one that operated during World War II. No, it, it did. It's a, it's, it's a continuation of of the unit that did operate in World War II. It's pro-Nazi. Okay, uh, and it's still, in today, they still use the swastika? Yep, the Nazi Azov Battalion. And it said the Biden regime said it voted against the UN resolution condemning the Nazism in the Ukraine army because they said it's a, it's a free speech issue. And, uh, <laughs> and then the Russians are using it as an excuse and, and we can't let it upset the war effort. I, I knew I'd heard a little bit about this, but thanks for clearing this up because I, I was confused as to whether or not this unit was still in operation. But the idea that you would argue that there you can't look into this because it's a free is a speech issue, <laughs> and this is argument is being made by the leadership who would quickly condemn anybody in the United States who displayed a Nazi symbol, and I'm not arguing against condemning them. I'm just pointing out a little bit of an irony there. Right. All right. <laughs> Probably wrap up the program with that, Tom, and we'll uh, talk to you on Thursday, okay? 
Oh, it'll be my pleasure, Andrew. We are out of time. So, okay. Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell. It's been Rochester Today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Views, but advice is so 